As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, Zeal here. Have you guys ever used Anchor? Anchor is a great place to go make a podcast. If you have an idea to make a podcast, Anchor is the place to do it. Honey, it is free. Completely free. You can record it directly into your phone or from your phone directly onto the website or app through the Apple Store. And you, I mean, for God's sake, you can record it directly to your phone and edit it there. I thought that's pretty cool. That kind of opens the gates that anyone can make a podcast at this point. And I'll also distribute it for you. Anchor is very cool in the sense that since it's free and also it'll distribute it to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and plenty of other places that your podcast will end up on because of Anchor. And on top of it, you can make some money with minimal listenership. So guys, if you haven't downloaded Anchor, go download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. Thank you guys for listening to Tea of the Gods and continue on with today's episode. Neonic Void Productions presents Girl, you won't believe the tea today. Pour yourself a cup, sit back, relax, gossip with the girls on Tea of the Gods. Hi, and welcome back to Tea of the Gods. Today, I am... What to, what the fuck? I am the fuck. No. Hi, I'm Zio. And today I'm joined with... Hello there, everyone. It is your friendly neighborhood, Seraphine. Back at it again. It's your girl. She's back, filling in for the queen, Cordelia. So Cordelia, stunning. We see you, girl. I hope you're listening to this. I hope, because, you know, you are... Yes. A bad bitch. <laughs> yes, she is. And don't you forget it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway, welcome to Tea of the Gods, where we talk about tea of the gods. So, now we're back on the crack of that is North mythology. <clears throat> and today's is going to be an episode where I'm doing the explaining instead of taking turns on the stories. I am telling Seraphine about Norse, about certain things about Norse mythology. 
yes. again, Sarah, I feel like I told, like we talked about before we started recording, if anything comes up, you're like, what's that? Just literally stop me, ask me a question, ask me the question, and I'll be able, and I'll more than happy to answer it. Because I know you're coming in the middle of Norse mythology, and we've already done quite a bit so far. So mm -hmm. I'm sure, so just in case if there's anything mentioned that you don't know what it is, so don't hesitate to be like, hey, what that? Who that? Oh, yeah, I will, because I told you even before we started recording that um, you're like, what do you know about Norse mythology? Yeah. <laughs> and I said Ragnarok. And I'm like, Lord, please don't tell me it's just the movie, right? You're Thor like, Ragnarok. no, you're like Thor Ragnarok. I was like, what you mean? I know that. <laughs> I know what Ragnarok is. I'm not talking about the movie. <laughs> You've played Smite, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, I, I know. I know some of my stuff Norse Norse mythology due to Smite. So, um, yeah. yes, but yeah, I, I only know mostly of Ragnarok, and that's it. Valhalla, maybe I think is that what it's called. Valhalla is one is one of the afterlife uh, Vikings or Norse the <laughs> Norse people would go to. Yeah, that's 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 all the extent. So I probably will be asking some questions. Girl, since you already mentioned about fucking Valhalla, I might as well just fill you in, girl. It's not as it's not a bunch of cherry cherries and happy go time as they make it out to be, sis. It's oh, a really? lie. It's a sham. So oh. you know about so you know about Ragnarok, right? Where yeah. Odin has his chosen warriors in there. Mm-hmm. Get this, Tina. This is a refresher for the for the listeners who have listened so far. This is a refresher for you. So. Valhalla is the hall of war, uh, hall of the Vikings, or the hall of the chosen warriors, right? right? Odin chooses those warriors before, like during the battle, he sent the Valkyries sent, takes the soul takes the souls of the fallen mm -hmm. that are worthy, and they take them to Valhalla, right? As far as the legends, as far as the legends go, they say the Valkyrie take them to Valhalla, right? What we found out, me and Cordelia found out while researching, is Odin decides who dies and who gets who goes to Valhalla. Huh. Like before the well, before they even die, he goes to the Valkyrie. Like, okay, so there's a battle, right? I want uh -huh. Joe and I want uh, Billy to die. I want you to make sure they're dead. They die, so you can take them up to Valhalla, and the Valkyrie make sure they die. So Odin can get those warriors in Valhalla. Oh. Because there's a prophecy of Ragnarok, of course. And Od and basically Odin fulfills his own prophecy. Mm -hmm. He cause they don't they cause their own doom because Odin treats Loki's children like shit and ends up causing Ragnarok. Mm -hmm. But to try to fight it, because he's like, and she's because he's a prideful bitch. Oh god, I'm dry. I hate Odin. Odin is just oh, no. I, Odin's a dick. He is. Odin's supposedly this wise god, which by all rights he is, but he's also just Ugh, he's just terrible. No, he's a <laughs> he's dick. He's just terrible. But basically Odin chooses the warriors to die. Not the fact that they're worthy, the fact that he wants them in his army to try to try to stop Ragnarok, but knowing damn well he's gonna fail anyway. So you're saying that Odin, I mean, I get what you're saying, that Odin chooses who gets to go into Valhalla and the Valkyries make sure that happens. But yes. like, let's say he doesn't want someone to go to Valhalla, but he still wants them dead. He just has them killed? Uh, I don't know if there's any stories that depict that, but I would assume yes, because the Valkyrie do, any, do, or do anything Odin wants. 
Mm-hmm. So they're so the Valkyrie listen to Odin or whatever he wants them to do. He do, they do. Okay, I see. And Valkyrie are not as like because so so the depiction of the Valkyrie in like pop culture are these powerful women figures who um like ride flying horses or sometimes they even have wings mm-hmm. and they're like angelic. Uh, in Norse mythology, in some depictions I found <laughs> they sit there basically. What let me paint a picture. So there's a battle going, and you see the Valkyrie just sitting there watching. And Odin's already chosen which warriors that he wants them to die so they could take them to Valhalla. They're sitting there weaving, like, people's fate with, like, intestines and bones and shit. They're, they're violent, malevolent uh, spirits. And wow. I'm like, damn, this is not the image. Of course, I think that's probably an older interpretation. I think later on, different interpretations of the Valkyrie showed them as more of, like, these angelic spirits. Mm-hmm. But... There was literally one depiction where it talks about they, that they wove uh, intestines and fate to make sure that these certain warriors die that Odin chooses because he wants them in his army to, to try to stop Ragnarok when he's the one, when the gods are the one ones that caused Ragnarok in the first place. Yeah, wow. So it's, he's doing his own self, uh, self-prophecy, making it come true because he's too stupid to be like, hey, I treat these... I treat Loki and the children of Loki like total garbage. Because, of course, when we look at Ragnarok, Loki's kids are like the front and helm of Ragnarok. Granted, hell really isn't there that much, but the other two are. Yeah, that's true. The World Serpent and and Fenrir. Fenrir and Jormung- Jormungandr. Yeah. So it's like, you treat people like shit, you're going to get hit. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Valhalla is not really this place of it's a place of warriors and shit. But Odin decides who who he wants in there before they even died, so he can make sure they do die, so he can have them. And I'm like, that's that's diabolical. I'm like, damn. I thought Zeus and I thought Zeus was bad. I think Odin on some levels is even worse than Zeus. Yeah, so you made a good point there. Because we still have, me and Cordelia still have our own theory. Every head god in all the pantheons are total garbage. Now, the hmm. next pantheon we get to, I'm not going to spoil what it is, but there's certain pantheons that I don't know. Like, I don't know the head of the pantheon and how they are in, like, Egyptian mythology or the Asian mythologies or some of them older Middle Eastern mythologies. So um, I don't know about the heads of those mythologies that they're the same, but so far, there's a, it seems to be a running trend. At least with Greek and Norse. I think the head and guys, I'm not, I'm not a mythology like nerd like Zio here, but I believe the head of the Egyptian pantheon is Ra. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Oh, Rooster Daddy. Rooster Daddy. Oh my God. (laughs) Rooster Daddy. Or is he a chicken? I don't know what he is. Or you know, he's a bird, right? What? Chicken daddy! Chicken, oh my god. Chicken, chicken, chicken. Oh my gosh. Oh my god. No, go <laughs> Let me look up Ra. <laughs> the chicken daddy. Uh, he's an, a falcon or an eagle? <laughs> but like, he's not a chicken. <laughs> chicken daddy! Oh my god. Oh, but yeah, he's like a, he's a, I think he's the head of a falcon with a sun disc on his head. Yeah. Yeah, a chicken daddy. 
<laughs> I mean, it's chicken's better than a pigeon. Well, yeah. <laughs> but uh, I don't know much about raw. I know bare minimum about Egyptian mythology because I've never really dived too much into that. And we're I not know. talking about the winged dragon of raw people. <laughs> I mean, that was inspired by raw. But yeah, but, you yeah, know. We're not talking about that, though. <laughs> oh, goodness. <laughs> but uh, I don't know if raw is the same, isn't in the same boat as mm. Odin and Zeus are on being just absolute shit <laughs> to the to the people that follow them right. or otherwise. Uh, but <laughs> I'm hoping the trend doesn't continue because so far the heads of the pantheon these two pantheons are total shit. Y- yeah. Between Zeus being a horn dog wanting to assault everything that has a pulse to Odin who is just trying to fabricate people's death for his own fucking you can't admit that he did something wrong. And then you got Hera, who just attacks, who victim blames. Yeah. But I, but I don't think Odin's wife is like that, though, so far. So far, anyway. But the Norse gods are kind of just... Some majority of them are pretty decent. I mean, they, done, they all done some shady shit, but I think Odin takes the cake. So, speaking of Odin and his that shitty old man... <laughs> Uh, today, we're going to be talking about how Odin discovered the runes, what runes are, and why Odin has one eye. So, because Odin's always affected with it having one eye, that he lost his eye. So, okay. a little bit about Odin. He is the head of the Pantheon, of course. He is a, uh, he's a person that thirsts for knowledge at yeah. any cost. Is that and, so? <laughs> yeah, he is a knowledge hoarder. Okay. He wants if there's a bit of knowledge that he doesn't have, he fucking wants it, and that's how he gets like wisdom and shit too. But it's like, then he does shady shit like this with like Valhalla and shit, and how and how he treats other the children of gods. And I'm like, wisdom where? Okay, right. <laughs> but nonetheless, so um. Well, first to the story on how Odin discovered the runes. So, again, he thirsts for knowledge and wisdom, and he's willing to sacrifice almost anything for this pursuit, uh, for these things. Uh, the most outstanding feature of his appearance, his eye, which we'll get into, because his eye is one of the main things that, he's, that he has sacrificed for wisdom. Now, the runes and how they come into play, I think this is before... The story of the room, the story of how he lost his eye. So the story on how Odin discovered the runes is at the center of the Norse cosmos stands the great tree Yggdrasil. Now Yggdrasil, if you don't know, Shay, is the tree of life. Yes, I'm sorry, I forgot to tell you. I know about Yggdrasil. That Yggdrasil. Yeah. Yes, I do know about that. <laughs> so, uh, so in the center of the cosmos is Yggdrasil. And the upper branches of Yggdrasil cradle Asgard, the home of the fortress of the Azer gods and goddesses, of whom Odin is the chief. Yggdrasil grows out of the well of Yurd, a pool uh, whose fathomless depths hold many of the most powerful forces and beings in the cosmos. Among them are the Norns. Uh, now, um, so the Norns, these are three women. They're basically the Norse mythology version of the Fates. Okay. 
So, and I love, and so and what I love about these women in Ragnarok, they decide when Ragnarok happens. Like, things could change. Like, like the, the air blows the other direction one day, and they're like, you know what? It's time for the end of the world. Because <laughs> they're the first things that started. They're like, you know what? It's time. <laughs> and what's funny is, like, the fates in Greek mythology, Odin, like, Zeus tries to be like, hey, fates, I, I'm, I'm a head god. And the fates are like, yeah, and we control fate, bitch. The Norns are kind of the same way. The these women who control, who weave and control fate, Odin doesn't dictate to them what they, what he, what these women do. They're like, we don't give two shits who you are, bitch. We're gonna do what we want. <laughs> and they're just sitting there. Oh, I just, I just imagine them, especially when Ragnarok happens. They're like, oh, do you want girls? Do you want to cause some drama? And the other two are like, yeah, let's cause Ragnarok. And they just decide. And that's when starts, that's what starts the winter and stuff. Anyway, so that's who the Norns are. Uh, they are three maidens who create the fates uh, of all beings. One of the foremost uh, techniques they use to shape fate is carving runes into Yggdrasil's trunk. The symbols that carry these intentions throughout the tree, affecting everything in the nine worlds. Do you know what the nine worlds are? No. Okay. So, going back, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> so, the nine worlds of... Oh, God. Let me see. Nine worlds of Midgard, which is uh, the plane we live on, Earth and stuff. That's what we call Midgard. Asgard, Vanelheim, Joltenheim, Niflheim, Muspelheim, and Elfenheim. And there's one that has two names, uh, Yidder, Yidder, yeah, Yidavilar slash Valton Vartolfheim. Mm-hmm. Now, as far as what these world, what these worlds are, so Asgard's the land of the Azer gods, which like Odin, Thor. You got Vanelheim, which is the realm of the. Uh, Vanir, the um, what do they call it? Oh shit, the Vanir gods, which is another tribe of gods, and they had a, and Asgard and Vanilheim had a war at one point, and then that's how we got some of the gods, the Asgardians, because some of the Asgardians come from Vanilheim. So okay. there's two, so there's two tribes of gods, and they, and there's a story about them having a war. You got Joltenheim, which Joltenheim is the home of the giants, the world of the giants. Then you've got uh, Niflheim, and Niflheim is the home of the Frost Giants, I think? Yeah, the land of the primordial darkness, cold, mist, and ice. So I think they're the uh, home of the Frost Giants, and Muspel, uh, what's the next one? Muspelheim is the land of fire, the opposite of Niflheim. So it was like the Frost Giants, the Fire Giants. Okay. Uh, let's see what else you got. Elfenheim, which is the home of the elves. And this, yeah, that's the homeland of the elves. And then you got the one that has the two names. Those are the homes of the dwarves. And the, so, with the, and the, and the, uh, the homeland of the dark elves. So there's a little theory. So when, okay, so before we get back to the runes, ladies and gentlemen, 
When you think of a dwarf, um, Seraphine, what do you think of? Um, I think of what I guess is normally depicted for us. So dwarves are like small humans, or small you know, or or tiny creatures because yeah. they don't have to necessarily be human. Okay, interesting. Well, that's a well. We've been taught a lie. <laughs> <laughs> so dwarves are apparently depicted in Norse mythology as invisible creatures that Ooh. can't go out in sunlight; mm -hmm. otherwise, they'll die. Oh, so like almost like vampires. <laughs> kind of. So I couldn't find a straight description of what dwarves supposedly are. Um, but supposedly dwarves are these like these invisible creatures that can't go out in sunlight unless they die. They supposedly might be the same thing as the dark elves. That the dark elves and the dwarves are the same thing. Mm -hmm. Which is weird. That's why the realm has two different names. Um, oh. there's, also there's also some interpretations that I found that the dwarves are actually walking corpses. That's lovely. Like zombie, <laughs> zombie-like <laughs> beings who mate, who forge. Of course, these are guys who forge the weapons for the Asgardians and for the gods. Yeah, cause I guess because when you think back to like the Thor movies, I'm not trying to compare it to the MCU, but yeah. you know, Thor had the little man make his. Uh, it was a little man, right? That made his. Uh, oh, the I mean, oh, the dwarf. But well, the, the dwarves are giants. Yeah, that made yeah. Um, Stormbreaker. Yeah. So the fact that they took, because I know when people are like, that's not a dwarf. And I'm like, after learning in the Norse mythology, I'm like, sis, Tolkien's what started, I think Tolkien's what started the whole image of the dwarves we have. Well, maybe not Tolkien. It might be Brothers, it might be Brothers Grimm with the story of Snow White and the Seven Dwarves. I was like, I think I, that's the earliest thing I can remember as far as uh, dwarves go. Well, I guess with like Santa Claus to the elves, but the tiny he has tiny elves, right? Yeah, but they're still elves though. They're not considered dwarves. Oh yeah. So I guess the dwarves. I guess the oldest depiction, uh, the oldest depiction of dwarves I could think of, would be like Snow White. Yeah. And the seven dwarves, and then of course Tolkien, and then like Lord of the Rings. Well, with Tolkien, and how we got the depiction now, but yeah, Norse mythology because we lost a lot of it to Christianity, Catholicism kind of ruined it. So there's a whole debate with the Dark Elves and the uh, Dwarves being the same thing and how the Dwarves are either these invisible things, beings that make the weapons, or they're corpses, or they're the Dark Elves. So it's a whole lot of craziness with that. Uh, and of course there's the Realm of Hell. The Underworld. Which is ruled by Loki's daughter, Hell. Yes. Who Hell has... Half her body is a young woman, while the other half is like an old hag, alive mm -hmm. and dead. So, and she was sent there by Odin to um, be the ruler of. So, uh, back to the runes, but because we we went that direction, talk about the nine realms, and she didn't know what the nine realms were. So now you know. Uh, Odin one day watched the Norns from his seat in Asgard and invited their powers and their wisdom. So one day he was in Asgard, he just sat down just watching these old, watching these three women do their thing, and he's like, huh, 
I want to I want I want that knowledge. And he bent his will towards the task of coming to know the runes. Since the runes are native or native home is in the well of Erd with the Norns, and since the runes do not re, do not reveal themselves to any but those who prove themselves worthy of such fearful insights uh, and abilities, Odin hung himself from the branch of Yggdrasil, piercing himself with his spear and peered downward into the shadowy waters below. My goodness. He hung himself, like literally. Yeah. He, for <laughs> he forbade any of the other gods to grant him the slightest aid, not even, not even a sip of water. He stared downward and they stared downward and called to the runes. He survived in his state, tearing on the precipice of the boundary of life and death for no less than nine days and nine nights. At the end of the ninth night, he at last perceived shapes in the depths, in the depths of the water, and he saw the runes. They had accepted his sacrifice and shown themselves to him, revealing to him not only their form, but also the secrets that lie within them. Having fixed this knowledge in his memory, Odin ended his ordeal with this, with a scream of excitation. So he screamed. He's like, I'm done. <laughs> they, that's how I interpret it. Having been entwined, having the mysteries of the runes, Odin recounted, and I quote, then I was fertilized and became wise. I truly grew and thrived. From a word to a word, I led to a word. From work, from a work to a work, I was led to a work. Equipped with the knowledge of how to wield the runes, he became one of the mightiest and most accomplished beings in the cosmos. He learned chants that enabled him to heal emotional and bodily wounds, to bind his enemies and render their weapons useless, to free himself from constructs to put out fires, to expose and banish uh, partitioners of malevolent magic, and to protect his friends in battle, to wake the dead, to win, and to keep a lover, and to perform any other feats like these. So that's what the that's why he used the runes for. Now to get into more detail about the sacrifice about the sacrifice motive and how he did it. Um, so Odin's ordeal is therefore a sacrifice of himself to himself, is the ultimate Odinic sacrifice. For who could be nobler offering to the god than the god himself? So he offered himself to himself. So it seems that the statement above is in need of uh, clarification, of course. Part of Odin survived the sacrifice in order to be the recipient of the sacrifice in addition to the runes themselves. And another part of him did indeed die. This is, uh, this is suggested not just to be the imaginary death of these verses, but also the imagery of rebirth and um, fertility in following verses that spoke of him being fertilized and growing and thriving. So a part of him did die, but then a part of him also was birthed by his sacrifice to see the runes. That's interesting. Right. Kind of weird. <laughs> yeah, it's a little weird, but that like sounds like Odin's faux pas. 
Yeah, he's sacrificing himself to himself. Yeah. So. Uh, perhaps their strength of the character was largely due to the examples and their divine... Uh, <laughs> let's see. Uh, he, Odin wasn't afraid to sacrifice what he called his lower self to his higher self. So he, so he sacrificed a part of himself that wasn't that great to a much better part of himself. Um, whatever hardships arise from this pursuit and allowing nothing, not even death, to stand between him and his accomplishment and goals. Damn, Odin, work. So that is the story on how Odin discovered the runes. Now to get into the runes, the actual runes outside the legend. So the runes are basically the writing. Let's see if I can find it. Uh, while runologists argue over many of the details in the historical origins of the rune of runic writing, there is a widespread agreement on a general outline. The runes are perceived are presumed to have been uh, devered from one of the many old Italic alphabets in use among the Mesopotamian peoples of the first century CE, who lived in south in the south in the south. Of the Germanic tribes, early earlier Germanic sacred symbols such as those uh, perceived in the northern European rock carvings were also likely influenced in the development of the script. So this is basically the earliest possible runic inscription that we know of is found on the it found in German in northern Germany. However, the scholars are all divided on whether this letters are runic or Roman. Uh, the earliest... So basically, the runes are the written language that a lot of the European tribes and groups used before the Latin alphabet was adapt, adapted. Okay. Uh, let me see if I can find other little information about all that. Um... So this, the, tra the transmission of writing from Southern Europe to Northern Europe likely took place via the Germanic warlords that dominated Northern Europe. Uh, military, um, Euro Northern European military institutions of the period who would have encountered Italic writing firsthand during the um, fights against their Southern neighbors. This hypothesis is supported by the uh, story that runes have always had with the god Odin, which we just went over the story, who is a Proto-Germanic period, who in the Proto-Germanic period under his original name, oh shit, Odin had an original name? Woe Anna's was the divine model of the human war band leader and the invisible patron of the warlord's activities. So, but yeah, so basically how the Southern Europeans and the Mesopotamian area started the language and then as they fought their Northern neighbors, the language kind of migrated or the written language migrated and the symbols. And of course it goes into how the story on how the um, Norse mythology used the runes and the tree from which Odin hung himself, and Yggdrasil, 
and how it came in the center of the Germanic cosmos, whose branches, roots hold the nine worlds, world tree, all that fun stuff. And of course, these three maidens, the Norns, and their carvings surely consist of runes. We therefore have a clear association between the well of Erd, the runes, and the mat and magic. In this case, the ability of the Norns to carve the fates of all beings. Presumably, then, after Odin discovered the runes, by virtually sacrificing himself to himself and fasting for nine days while staring into the waters of the well, it was he who imparted the runes to the first human rune masters. His sacrifice was later symbolized uh, in ceremonies during which the Candidate learned the lore of the runes, but unfortunately no evidence of such practice has survived into our times. So, But then that goes into magic, because runes are used in modern day... Um, like witchcraft? Yes. Because, I don't know, because I'm sure if you look, people still practice uh, modern day witchcraft today. And, of course, pagans are still <laughs> around more or less, and runes are still used today in groups who still um, practice the old ways of the uh, of the Vikings or the um, ancient Germanic people. So runes is basically the written language and stuff, and of course the story went over was how Odin found them, and then from Odin it went to the first humans uh, first rune master humans, and of course from there spread, and then spread north, and all that fun stuff. So I find this stuff quite interesting, and I'm sure uh, probably the next episode, unless I can find information, I might go over how the runes deal with um, philosophy, uh, the how they deal with magic, mm -hmm. and more so what they mean. But I'm not going to get into that through. This video, and we'll probably wait till next week because I want to do more research on that side of the runes. Uh, so, to end today's episode, I want to talk about the last story, which is on how Odin got how why Odin has one eye. Yeah, so we already talked about how he found the runes and how he hung himself for nine days and killed a part of himself to be reborn to his higher self uh this is a story on how he i think this is i think this is after i could be wrong if i'm wrong i'll clarify next episode but i think this happened after the runes story i was just about to ask that because i was like does he like did he still have both his eyes when he was trying to uh, i guess ascend to a higher being and it gain mentioned that knowledge? It mentions the story of the runes in this story, but I think it's, I think this is, I think uh, he loses his eye after the sacrifice he made to to see the runes. Okay. So, um, let's see. Odin's quest for wisdom is never ending. Of course, he's thirsty for it. He's willing to pay any price it seems for his understanding of life's mysteries. He craves more than anything else. On one occasion, of course, he hung himself and discovered the runes. Blah blah blah. On another occasion, he ventured to um, Mimir's Mimir, 
which Mamir is a is a wise being and cons and counselor of the gods. For those who don't know, he loses his head. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see. So Mamir, to kind of go over him. Uh, he was killed and beheaded by by the Veneer gods during the uh, Azer Veneer War, which we talked about, or I talked about. Upon seeing the severed head, Odin and embalmed it with special herbs and chanted magical songs over it to preserve it. And then he be basically became a talking head, like literally. Wow. Yeah. So Odin found his body and preserved his head, and yeah. He consulted the head in times of need, and it continued to dispense uh, advice. So Odin, in times of need, would go to this talking head and be like, "Hey, so what's your advice?" And the head would give him advice. He he just kind of grow another head. Uh, no, he kept the head. He got rid of the body. He just he preserved the 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 because the, the god's head was cut off during the war. Oh, I thought dead. this was Odin's head. I'm sorry. Oh, no. This is Odin's head. This is Mimir's. Okay. At first, I thought you were like Odin. Oh, no. I thought you said oh, Odin. Oh, no. Because I was like, well, I mean, I've heard worse for oh, preservation, no. but it's... And now, there was, now, there was a counselor to the uh, gods, and they, oh, to okay. the Azer gods, that Odin went to for advice. And when he died in the uh, uh, Azer veneer war... Mm -hmm. Odin found his body and found this, found his head was cut off. So he took the head, preserved it, and the head could still talk. It's sentient. And in times of need, Odin will go talk to the head for advice. Okay, that's pretty creepy, but okay. And if you play God of War, when the fourth one, where they where he battles the Norse gods, they he has the talking head of Mimir. Oh, on his, you, on that's, his the one, that's the one with the boy, right? Yeah. Okay, yeah, I think it has, I've seen a little bit of gameplay of that, and yeah, yeah. he has a talking head. Okay. Yeah, and the talking head aids you throughout the game, so yeah. It's yeah. It, yeah, it's the same, same, char same god, character, whatever. That's creepy, but... <laughs> I mean, he just has a head on his belt. <laughs> yeah. He's just a talking head. Uh, so he, so back to the story, Odin ventured to Mimir's well, which is surely none other than the Well of Erd. Of course, that was the well that he uh, learned learned about the runes. Amongst the roots of the world tree Idrisil, there dwelled Mimir, a shadowy being whose wisdom or whose knowledge of all things was partially unparalleled among the inhabitants of the cosmos. He achieved this status largely by taking his uh, taking his water from the well whose water in part uh, gave him cosmic knowledge so drinking the water from the well will make you like learn shit about the cosmos cosmic knowledge if you will when odin arrived he asked amir for a drink from the water the well's guardian knowing the uh, value of such a such a knowing the value of the water, refused unless the seeker offered an eye in return. Odin, whether straight away or after contemplation, uh, we can only wonder, <laughs> gouged out one of his eyes. Wow. And dropped it into the well. He's like, oh, knowing Odin, he's like, oh, an eye? 
okay, here you go. Like, that's all I need to give you to get this knowledge? Okay. Bitch wasting no time. Like, he, it seemed like he doing, He just didn't hesitate. No, no. I I love the description of this. He's like, he either thought about it or he just went ahead and just fucking did it. My guess is the he went ahead and just fucking did it. I think he went. I think so, too. The way that you've been, de- you've been de- like, describing Odin, like, I think he just... Yeah, he's like, oh, you just you just want an eye? It don't matter which one? Okay. I got you, boo. Boom. Now give me my wisdom. Basically. So he, so he gouged out his eye and dropped it into the well. Having made the necessary sacrifice, Amir dripped his horn into the well and offered the now one-eyed god a drink. And that is how Odin became, got, had, has now one eye. You said the you said was it Amir or Ymir? Uh, M I M I R. Oh, okay, I thought, we were, I thought we were talking about Ymir. Why M I R? I was like, wait. Oh no. Because I know a little bit about Ymir because you know Smite and uh, he's a frost like in that he's depicted as like a frost person. Ymir. Yeah. <laughs> Ymir. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so this is the story. That's the story of how he lost and how he got one eye. Well. <laughs> That's very short. It was very one of the shortest. Very stories. short, but you know, it, it was to the point. Odin needed his knowledge. Yeah. He needed to get an eye. Odin gives said eye. Odin gains knowledge. Basically, yeah. <laughs> and Odin uh, starts rocking an eye patch. <laughs> ba- yes. Uh, the fact that Odin civically sacrificed an eye is surely significant. In all ages, the eye has been seen as a poetic symbol. For, uh, per- oh God, I can't read. Uh, a symbol for perception in general. Consider the astonishing number of expressions, both in everyday urge and in the works of the great poets, that use vision as a metaphor per- for perceiving, understanding something. Given that Odin's eye was sacrificed in order to obtain an enhanced uh, perception, it seems highly likely that this, that his privilege of an eye symbolized trading one mode of perception for another. So, the fact that he lost the eye, he's like, that's whatever. I, I get all the knowledge and fucking shit I want. So, and then, and then he drank the water and got all kinds of knowledge, cosmic knowledge. Or the way it sounds here, cosmic awareness. Right. <laughs> and of course, when he lost his eye, he also has crows that he can see through. So. Yeah, I was gonna say. I think uh, that's something I remember with Odin too. The crows. He has two crows or ravens that mm-hmm. he could see through the eyes of them. So technically, they're like an extension of his eye of his sight. They are his eyes, basically, yeah. Yeah, so there's nothing that you can really hide from the god if you really wanted to. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> he, he'll fucking know about it. He'll fucking find you. <laughs> <laughs> but just, would you sacrifice your eye, let alone stab yourself and hang yourself from a tree for knowledge and wisdom? Look, <laughs> I'm just going to put it out here. I'm a little bitch when it comes to pain. Same. So Same. I cannot I cannot hang myself and I will definitely not get rid of my eye because I don't know, I just I couldn't do it because you would physically have to carve out your eye. Oh. 
you could just imagine how painful. I mean, him being a god might be different. Maybe their pain tolerance is different, but um, yeah, no, I'd like to keep both of my eyes. I'm a little bitch. Yeah, I ain't doing it. Same. I'd be like, is there some? Is there like a loophole? Can I bring you someone else's eye? <laughs> I'll bring someone else's eye for this knowledge, but if I have to get my eye, then I'll peace out. That's an out. I'm passing on that. I'll be like, it's a no for me. <laughs> it's a no for me. It's that you asking me to sacrifice my eye for me. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, that's the story on how Odin discovered the runes lost his eye and the what runes are uh let's see do you do you know the creation story of norse mythology corn norse mythology this thing no i don't think i do so fun fact our world midgard is made up of the of body parts of a giant okay of a of a hermaphrodite giant Interesting. <laughs> the gods and giants, the giants were born from his gods' armpits, armpit sweat. Okay. And Odin's half giant. Half the god, some of the god, majority of the gods are half giants. I think, like, I think I heard about that one. Of the I didn't know about that. Giant, yeah. Yeah. But the, let me see if I can find. Since we're gonna, since I want to keep this episode going a little longer, we're gonna backtrack a little bit and uh, let's see where is uh, Ymir, Y M I R, the giant. Oh, Ymir. Ymir, yeah, the hermaphrodite giant. Wait, that, he's a he is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the giants are hermaphrodite. Yeah. Wait, Ymir is a hermaphrodite. Hermaphrodite. Uh huh. It's hermaphrodite. Hermaphro. Titic giant and the first creature to come into being in Norse mythology in the Norse mythology creation story as the giant first giant he is the ancestor of all the other giants and since almost all the gods are primarily descended from giants he's also the ancestors to the god as well another name for him from Amir in old Norse poems was uh some name means sand or gravel screamer but, and we're, um, we're we're talking about Ymir or Mumir. I'm sorry. Ymir. Oh, Ymir. Okay, my boy Ymir. The giant. Yes. Okay, the I giant. got you. Yeah, he is the first giant. He's where all giants come from. Uh, he so the divine brother. Oh, I'm trying to. I'm trying to see where it, where it says it. Um, let's see. According to the stories. Uh, Ymir was suckled the milk from a cow <laughs> when he slept. Uh, uh, several other giants were conceived asexually, okay. And Ymir's uh, hermaphroditic body and spawned from his legs and the sweat from his armpits. Weird, but okay. Interesting. Uh, so the cow. Mm -hmm. received her nutrients from salt from a salt lick as she licked a being named Buri, the first of the Azer gods was freed from within the salt and produced a son boar and made to a Besla, one of Ymir's descendants and from there 
The union came from their union came Odin, the chief of the Aesir, and his two brothers, uh, Vili and V. So the divine brothers then Sul, uh, they took the giant and fashioned the cosmos from his corpse. So from Ymir's flesh, the earth was created. From his sweat, the sea. Mm -hmm. From the mountains, mountains from his bone, trees from his hair, and from his skull, the sky. Now get behind this. Okay. I was like, the skull for the sky? I'm like, what? So the way the, the skull is the sky is there are the cardinal directions north, south, east, and west. Mm -hmm. Those are dwarves. And they hold up the skull. Oh. <laughs> yeah, right? It's weird. Uh, on top of that, from his eyebrows, the gods made Midgard. They formed like a, um, yeah, home of the sons of men. And from his brain, brains, they sculpted clouds, grim clouds from his brain. That's a lovely picture in my head. Right? It's fucking weird. <laughs> I was like, damn, what were they smoking back in the day? It's so fu I was like, damn, this is metal. <laughs> I love the creation story of Norse mythology. It's so out there and weird. Because the giant just came out of nowhere. And then all the giants came from his legs and sweat. And then the god, then Odin and his two brothers like, you know what? Let's kill this giant. And they took his corpse and made Midgard. So uh, wow, <laughs> that's that's about your that's about your boy Ymir. Ymir, <laughs> Ymir, your boy. I don't think now if I ever play Smite again because I haven't in a while. But if I ever log back in, I'm probably not gonna look at Ymir the same. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we live on the remains of a giant. Yep, according to Norse mythology. According to Norse mythology, we are the from his well, his sweat, right? Uh, well, I mean, we live on the. I mean, man doesn't come from the giant. We live on the Midgard, which mm -hmm. is made from the corpse of the giant. Oh, yeah. The giants yeah. come from the sweat, though. Yes. Okay. Sweat and his legs. And his legs. <laughs> so the earth we live on, the crust, our houses are on his flesh. So we're all we're just looking. Yeah, we're all living on a corpse. We're just chilling on Ymir. <laughs> we're just chilling on Ymir's remain, looking at <laughs> looking at his brains in the sky. Yeah. Floating by. As we wave high. Don't forget to wave high in the sky to the four dwarves holding up the skull. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I, I'm next time I ever get on a plane, I'd probably be like, oh look at the clouds. Oh, it's all Ymir's brain. <laughs> oh my god, look at the brain matter. It's so amazing. <laughs> Uh, before we go, do you have any other questions about Norse mythology? No, Norse mythology is is pretty it's pretty interesting and mm. a little out there for me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's it's definitely out there. That's I've learned quite a bit because I didn't I know I knew certain things about Norse mythology, but doing this. Oh, I learned so much. It's so weird. I I thought Greek mythology was weird, but this takes this so far takes the cake. This one definitely takes the cake. Especially sure that creation the, story. Yes. And I'm sure the other mythologies we're going to get into, their stories are probably even weirder. 
Yeah, there's um, some like like I said, we we've talked about some other pantheons, and there's some pretty out there stuff. <laughs> I mean, with Egyptian mythology, the universe is created by some god. You know, um, uh, how do I put it? <laughs> uh, um, is it is it getting a, acquainted with his body? Oh, yeah. Oh, so he's I, being a teenager, basically. I think. <laughs> I think that is the pre I'm pretty sure that's the creation story of the Egyptian mythology and how the world was created. Oh wow! I'm like ninety. Hold up! Ooh, ooh, ooh! I hope I'm not wrong. Creation myth and I could be wrong. I don't know where I read that, but I could have sworn that was a story. I'm probably wrong. When we get to Egyptian mythology, we'll find out. But as of right now. I'm pretty sure. Comment below if I'm wrong. I could be wrong. But as far as I know, I thought the creation story for Egyptian mythology was a god uh, created the cosmos through his, um, yeah, through exploring his body, if you will. Yeah, so, and with his, with his uh, I guess, um, a substance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. We'll find out if I'm actually right when we get to Egyptian <laughs> mythology. But, um, I wouldn't doubt it with the stuff with the Egyptian <laughs> mythology. So I mean, there is an old. There's also an older mythology where two gods are having vicious uh, intercourse, ripping each other apart. <laughs> that is, I think I'm pretty sure that's Babylonian, wow. I mean, or either Babylonian or an older mythology. So mm -hmm. I mean, there's some mythologies that are really out there, but we'll get to those when we get to those. Yeah. Uh, so to end today's episode. Thank you guys for listening. We are now 31 episodes into this podcast. And this is the longest running podcast amongst the family of the Neonic Void Productions podcast. So join us next week as we talk about more about Norse mythology. Yeah. And we're coming close. We're coming close to the end of Norse mythology for our episodes on Norse mythology. You could probably I think I could probably get in maybe a maybe another two or three weeks maybe my predictions mid-april because i thought it was going to be at the end of march but i've already found there's some more stories and stuff so probably mid to late mid to the end of april before we get done with norse mythology because i feel like we can get i can get a few more episodes out of these before we move on to the next one but until then thank you guys for listening catch y'all next week bye bye guys stay safe yeah stay safe out in the world Wear your mask, please. Thank you. Hashtag. Hashtag wear a mask. Save a life. Yep. Thank you. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.